Welcome to Rooting For You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non-experts. I'm Tess and I know nothing. And I'm Elise and I know some things. Each week we'll chat about one gardening topic and then discuss the effort reward payoff by asking, is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. Hello and welcome to Rooting For You. In Melbourne, still locked down, still recording remotely. Today, we're talking about crack for gardeners. That's right, we're growing tomatoes. I love, love, love tomatoes in a salad, in a sandwich, sugo. I love roasting cherry tomatoes and using them as a sauce. Fresh tomatoes on a bit of toast with salt and pepper and some olive oil. In another life, I want to be an Italian nonna making my passata every year. The only bad thing I have to say about tomatoes is that a lifetime ago, I went to La Tomatina, the festival in Spain, and it was probably one of the worst decisions of my life. But that's not the tomato's fault. So Elise, tell us why you reckon tomatoes are crack for gardeners. (laughs) I so love this crack for gardeners thing because it's so true. It's like the thing that gets everyone hooked on gardening is they grow a tomato for the first time. It's easy. They get this massive harvest. They realize how much better tomatoes taste when you grow them yourself. You've got all these different colors, all these different shapes. You know, you bought a $3 seedling and now you've got like $100 of tomatoes across the season. Like it is the plant that gets everyone hooked. And once they've done a successful tomato year, they will never go back as far as growing their own food and definitely growing their own tomatoes. Mm. So I've been so encouraging of people to grow tomatoes throughout this entire podcast we've done because I want people to, to get that uh, that easy win and then to fall in love with it like I have. So I've been, yeah, hugely, hugely encouraging of it. But what I thought with today's episode is we actually really need to make sure that people do nail this because to get the crack effect, you have to get the good tomatoes. <laughs> so today I want to go through my top tips for successfully growing these tomatoes. Fabulous. Now a little caveat here is when it comes to tomatoes because they are the famous garden plant is every Tom, Dick and Harry has their method and their wisdoms and the things they swear by. And I'm sure that actually everything is wonderful and there's wisdom to all of it. What I'm going to share today are my tips. Other people will have different ones. You may have different things that work for you, like go with whatever you've got. But if there's one topic where there is hot debate about the best way to do something, it is tomatoes. So I'm just starting it by saying this is my opinion from what I've experienced over the years. There's more than one way to skin a cat and also skinning a cat in your own climate and Mm. temperature and soil will all be things that are probably important for you. And, you know, how much effort you want to put into it, et cetera, et cetera. So now I've given you that disclaimer, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my top tips. Fabulous. So at this point in the season, when you're listening to this, I dare say you've already planted your tomato plant. You may have done this one of two ways. You've grown a seed and you've listened to our seed episode, how to do that, or you've bought a seedling and you've listened to our how to plant a plant episode. If you haven't planted your tomato plant yet or here's the hot tip for next year if you already have what I want you to do is get your seedling and I want you to trim the bottom leaves off the seedling 
So you're going to give it a haircut from the waist down. And then when you plant it, you're actually going to plant it about five centimeters deeper than what the plant was in in the pot. Mm. Now, obviously, if the plant's really small, you might not be able to get an extra five centimeters. But I want it to be deeper in the hole than what it was in the seedling punnet. Yeah, right. So that's a little bit different to our how to plant a plant episode when we were just creating a hole that was the same size as the pot that it came in. Bang on. So now we're putting the stalk below the soil line. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And with most plants, this is actually a really bad idea. You always want to kind of line up the soil line to what the soil line was in the pot. This is the one exception I'm giving you is tomatoes. We want to go deeper. The reason we do this is because tomatoes will actually shoot roots out from their stalk if it goes (laughs) root shoots and leaves. Um, (laughs) If you plant it deeper, roots will come off the main stem and that's going to make a stronger, sturdier plant a lot faster. So it's actually going to just Ah. give that plant an advantage. So we might as well do it, you know. It's of no extra effort and the plant is going to be much better for it. Mm. So Tess, I gave you some tomato plants recently and I gave you this hot tip. Tell me, did we successfully plant them and did we go deeper? Okay, so I was saving this for the end of the episode. Oh, God. But given that you've brought it up, (laughs) now is time for confession time. So... Elise has been growing tomatoes from seed. And now that I grow things from seed myself, I know how bloody difficult it is and how much love goes into a seed to create a plant from that seed. And when you drop these plants off for me, the seedlings, I, you might recall, I pop them on the floor of my car. Yeah. And then I drove off. And <laughs> this is so bad. And my bag that was sitting on the seat has slid off onto (laughs) so one of the tomatoes that you've given me Mm. looks like or looked like you know um in harry potter nearly headless nick yep with the stem just (laughs) stem just flopping so i sticky taped it back together the stem (laughs) and i'm currently caring for it and giving it a lot of love inside at the moment still. I haven't felt brave enough to put it outside yet, so I'm still caring for it. I am getting some additional shoots now off the top above the sticky tape line, so I haven't put it in the ground yet. I'm just waiting for it to get a little bit stronger before I put it outside. (laughs) What a story. Oh, (laughs) I so appreciate all the love you've put into that seedling. But I will say this, with something like an annual plant, we need it to go hard and fast. And it basically what's happened to it is it's suffered a major setback. And I'm actually going to advise you not to plant it. I thought you might say that. (laughs) I know. Look, to go to the nursery and spend three or four bucks on another seedling that's going to be about the same size especially given tomatoes, we can so readily get good varieties from seedlings from nurseries. That plant is going to be just so much better positioned to kind of 
shoot up, do its thing, give us as many tomatoes. If that other little plant that's suffered a knock to the head is going to be spending all its energy just repairing the damage is done, it's just not going to thrive in the garden. So I think we need to have a funeral for it. <laughs> I can't tell you how devastated I was. It was, Aww. it just it absolutely ruined my day. I know. I totally get that. Like my mum's the same. She would have, she would have had a teary over the the, the tomato plant. <laughs> <laughs> and look, you know, it is one of those things. It is nice once you start growing food that you really realise like how much love and attention and effort and work goes into creating a tomato that you just pick up and spend 50 cents on in the supermarket that you gave no thought to. Mm. Like I love that kind of just appreciation that comes from having done this. So look, you've already got that. You're looking at the tomatoes in the nursery and you're like, how much love went into getting that from a seed? (laughs) I can't tell you how great it is to receive a seedling as a gift now that you know how much work goes into it it's a very thoughtful present and i don't want my carelessness of putting it on the floor of my car to be seen as any kind of disrespect for the amount of work and effort and love that you put into growing that seedling thank you i will be sure i will not let this put me off growing you seeds and seedlings in the future i promise (laughs) so it's it's r.i.p now rest in peace little tomato (laughs) i think get another one and crack on Yeah, but look, it is, despite being a semi-long segue into the episode, it actually is a good piece of advice for people because you are going to be attached to those seedlings and the last thing you're going to want to do is send one to the compost pile. But at the end of the day, it isn't worth pushing through with a struggling seedling when it's young. It just often never recovers in the same way. So we just Mm. have to cut our losses and crack on with it, whether it be a tomato or anything else. Okay, before I send it to the compost, I'll yeah. take a picture of okay. of him with his little sticky tape. I think I think bandage. we're all going to need to see it. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and that he'll live on forever as a lesson. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh goodness. Okay, well look, uh, when you do finally get that tomato in the ground, Tess, you can use my hot tip and trim those bottom leaves off and get it in deeper. Mm, I will. It is getting through spring we are past the halfway mark so other hot tip is get onto this mate because we're gonna (laughs) (laughs) we want a big tomato harvest i've got two other tomatoes in the ground already great um that i got from the nursery a couple weeks ago it will be interesting to see because i didn't do that i didn't chop the bottom leaves off Mm. off those ones because I didn't know about the tip but now I do for the ones I put in now it'd be a good, mm. good comparison yeah it will be it will be and given that they are, they will be getting in the ground a few few weeks later but given that they'll have that extra root system and the weather's warming up mm. I think you'll find they'll probably all even up quite nicely but I do want you to get on with it so once we've planted them we then will give them a water, as we always do when we plant a plant, and a liquid fertilizer or a worm tea here will do wonders for that tomato plant. Because what we really want is we want that plant to get as big as possible, as fast as possible, because once it gets bigger, it'll start making tomatoes. And again, we've only got a limited season to do this, so hard and fast is the way. Liquid fertilizer when planting. And I would do this every couple of weeks for... Mm-hmm. The first few weeks, first few months, maybe. And I remember you saying back when we did the harvesting tomatoes episode in autumn that you really do want a tomato specific. Mm. 
fertilizer, like a nitrogen one? Yeah, so at the start when the plant is young at this small point when you've planted it, I actually don't really care what fertilizer Mm -hmm. you use. I will come to later in the season when you're exactly right. We need a specific fertilizer for tomatoes. And that is actually a potassium fertilizer, not an nitrogen fertilizer. Yeah. And again, I won't bother explaining why, but key with tomatoes is they need potassium. We'll come back to this. But the thing is, when they're young, it's not about the potassium because the potassium is for the fruit. What we need the fertilizer for is just to get the plant big, which is why I'm not fussy mm. what fertilizer we're using at the start. But when it comes to fruit time, I want to change and be more specific. Mm-hmm. Really key point when growing tomatoes is we need to mulch around them. We have done a whole episode recently on this, but if there is one plant that absolutely thrives with good mulch, it's the tomato. So as soon as you plant it, I would recommend getting that mulch around. Another key maintenance point. The other thing you need to do at the time of planting your tomato, or at least when the tomato is very, very young, is you need to set up a support system. If you don't, what the tomato will do is just trail along the ground and it's going to take up an exorbitant amount of space and the fruit is actually going to get damaged because it's going to be sitting on the wet earth. So it's going to be very appealing to a lot of insects. So we need to encourage that tomato to grow vertically. But the tomato plant naturally isn't keen on that. It's not like a passion fruit or a snow pea that's got its little tendrils out that'll attach onto everything and shoot Mm. up. We need to encourage it or train it to continually grow upwards. What kind of things would you recommend for the tomato plant to grow up? There's actually so many options for tomatoes and it really will depend on your garden setup. So the first one is the stake. So a simple Mm -hmm. stake in the ground next to the tomato plant. I don't love this because if you do everything right, you get your tomatoes in early, you fertilize them, you water them well, they're in full sun. Those plants are going to go bananas. They're going to be effing massive. Excuse my French. And a stake just (laughs) isn't going to cut the mustard. You're going to be sending a boy on a man's mission, I think. But look it's an option and people do it the second option which is one of my favorites is the tomato cage Mm. these are a i suppose the cage sums up what it looks like it's like a box around or like a ring around the tomato plant you can buy these from nurseries there's heaps of different types of them or you can literally just put posts in and then get like or put stakes in and wrap chicken wire or something around it Is it important that it has room to grow outside of the cage? Like it's kind of resting on the horizontal bars? Yeah, exactly. You're right. Chicken wire is actually probably a bit fine. What you need is something like large gauge so that – because the cage will support the arms Mm. or the the main area, but then you're right, shooting out from the cage is going to be kind of more of the foliage and the tomatoes, et cetera, et cetera. So you're just wanting to provide support to like the central stem, but you do need it to shoot through. So the ones that I use, I buy from the hardware store and they're like three stakes and then they have these like clips that you clip around. They're dark green. They're quite commonly Mm. used. I'll put a photo on. So that I like because over winter when I'm not using it, it collapses down and I'm only storing like a really small amount of stuff. Whereas if you've got like 
a metal cage that's kind of always established. You have to then store that mm. through winter. So I quite like the build your own ones. And then what those cross beams do is support the arms. But for effectively the tomatoes sticking out in all angles from that. I find that works well with the size that the tomatoes will get to. Mm-hmm. The third option is growing a tomato against a fence or a trellis. I quite like this one too, especially because tomatoes can get quite heavy. So a fence or a trellis is usually quite sturdy, so it can support the weight of the tomato plant. What you need to do then is as the plant is growing, you tie it up against that trellis. So just with some plastic ties or some garden twine and you keep almost like espaliering it or just training it like like a passion fruit would up Mm. that trellis you tie it up so that's a really good option if you've got that structure to to do it off the last option i think is really effective but you need infrastructure for it is string and (laughs) des is like what on earth (laughs) so what you do here (laughs) you need some overhead strong uh support system like a pagoda or a balcony or uh, like in my greenhouse I can do it because I've got a roof and what you do is you tie strings down from that roof and you tie them to the tomato and as the tomato grows you just twist it around the string and it kind of forms like a vine up these strings so Mm, it's very that's too hard basket (laughs) oh look in your garden absolutely not in your garden you'd be using the cage you don't have the existing infrastructure if you don't no but there, I have seen a lot of people who grow tomatoes next to their house or something like that, and they can actually quite easily, they've got like a balcony or something. Like I'm not suggesting we build some fandangle structure here to support the strings for our tomatoes, but naturally around the place you can sometimes find uh, some structure to tie them to. And I guess the message is like kind of getting creative with thinking about how exactly. to, to support these babies. Exactly. But what I don't want you to, under, I don't want you to do is I don't want you to underestimate how big a successful tomato plant will get Mm -hmm. like I'm talking two meters tall and wide enough that if I put my arms in a circle and tried to touch my fingers I probably couldn't around the plant (laughs) (laughs) is that a visual (laughs) like me giving an air hug to a tomato plant yeah and I wouldn't believe you if I hadn't have seen one that size but they're massive they can be massive they can be massive if they're not getting massive like Sorry to bring this up, Tess, but your ones last year. (laughs) (laughs) We're missing something, okay? They should be getting Mm -hmm. massive. Now, with this trellising situation, I also want to point out, or with this caging training situation, this is not a set and forget. This is not you set this up the day that you plan it and the tomato will just do its thing in that system. It's not naturally going to want to do what you want it to do so it is going to be something that every few weeks you're going to have to go out there and just poke an arm here or tie up an arm there or twist a stem there okay it's going to need a little bit of maintenance throughout the season to keep Mm. it how you want it but what's important is whatever structure you choose you have to set it up at the start because once that plant is big and it's flopping all over the place and it's got roots under the ground and you're sticking in stakes left, right and centre and trying to train it then, you're going to damage, mm. you, you're not you're going to, but you may well damage the plant. So I want you to do it when the plant is early. That is key. Any questions on that? No, I think the cage sounds like the idea for me though. Yeah. And I reckon for you, like, given you're not the handiest of individuals, nor am I for that matter, <laughs> head to the nursery and just buy a tomato cage. That's what they're called. You can 
Google it online now. Yeah, and having one that packs away for winter also, yeah. is it, that's a great idea. Yeah, you actually can use them in winter to grow, you know, snow peas and stuff like that. But for most people, they're probably not going to need as many in winter as what they would in summer. Mm. So the next hot tip I've got for people is I want you to keep the bottom of the tomato plant bare of leaves. I want it to be naked, that stem, at the ground. I want decent airflow between the ground and the plant. I'm talking like 15 to 30 centimetres of nakedness here. Ah, okay. What I want it to look like is like a Christmas tree. I want a stump with no leaves and then we get about 30 centimetres off the ground and then all the leaves shoot out. Is that a visual we've got? And based off my growing last year, 30 centimetres is pretty optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when your tomato plant is only 30 centimetres. It's all right, I'm going to do better this year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, by... Christmas, this is in Australia, so we're talking midsummer. I would expect your tomato plant would be at least a meter tall. So mm-hmm. 30 centimeters of that is, I think, acceptable. Some tomato plants would be taller than others. So some would get to two meters, some a meter might be as high as they get. It does depend on variety. But between 15 to 30 centimeters is what we're going to aim for here. And I want. Mm full airflow so what you're going to do is any leaves that fall below this kind of target that we've got we're just going to snip them off Mm -hmm. so it's just going to be one single stem shooting out with no leaves this helps the plant put energy into growing the fruit and growing the kind of foliage we need it to do like focusing on what we want it to do but more importantly than that it does a really good job at preventing a lot of common tomato diseases and funguses they live in the soil and the moisture and the humidity between the soil and the plant is often where the disease kind of travels so if we separate the plant from the soil and when I say the plant I mean the leaves of the plant we can actually prevent so many of those funguses having any impact on our tomato plant it is very very effective at preventing disease Mm. and it's relatively easy and once you've done it it's not a you may need to do maintenance, like the plant might be like, no, I want a leaf there, I'm going to shoot one out here, <laughs> in which case you just get the secateurs and just snip it straight off. And when we're talking about the space difference between the soil and the the first leaves, mm. is it from, if we've got using mulch, between the mulch and the first leaves? Mm. Good question. Uh, no, it'll be from the soil line and okay. the first leaves because the mulch, this is another reason why we love mulching tomatoes, will actually create a barrier between the soil and the leaves, which is really good as well. Mm-hmm. So if the mulch is on top, you can actually count that as some of your naked area. Great. So we talked about this earlier, is when the plant is small, we're going to give it the liquid feeds. When we do liquid feeds for any crop, but especially tomatoes, because this is a common one that people do feed and does well with a feed we want to water over the leaves so the leaves themselves can actually absorb a lot of the nutrients in a liquid feed so when liquid feeding actively wet the foliage with your fertilizer Mm -hmm. but like we discussed in the strawberry episode when you're just watering your tomato which is what you do you know all the time when you're not fertilizing it i do not want you wetting those leaves i Mm. just want you watering the soil okay so this is not having your hose on sprayer and giving the plant a shower right the tomato (laughs) unless it's raining i don't want the tomato leaves ever getting wet okay unless it's raining or you're actively fertilizing it Mm. just water the soil 
Now, as your tomato gets big, it's going to get a lot of flowers on it, which is brilliant because it's the flowers that become fruit. So for every single tomato that you've eaten in your life or that you've grown, it always started as a yellow flower. So as soon as you see yellow flowers on your tomato plant, you are cooking with gas. This is off to a cracking start. There are a few things that could go wrong between the flower being a flower and being a tomato, but for all intents and purposes, if you've got to the point of flowers, you're doing really well. If you've got a big tomato bush that's you know a meter tall and it's got no flowers on it, this is a problem because no flowers is no fruit. What you need to do here is get a high potassium fertilizer, sometimes called potash, and start feeding that plant ASAP. Mm-hmm. I would get a liquid fertilizer for this because liquid fertilizers are going to be absorbed by the plant way faster than anything granulated or pelletized. So if it's a no flower situation, we're going to need to correct that instantly. And the fastest way to do that is with the liquid fertilizer. Fertilizers that say specifically tomato fertilizer are excellent because they're usually very high in potassium. But I would actually just ask the person in the nursery and just say, what's your highest potassium fertilizer you've got? And you can read it on the packet. It's got percentages or whatever else. But if in doubt, just go with a specifically designed tomato fertilizer. Mm -hmm. If your plant does have lots of flowers, I still think a high potassium fertilizer will do a great job of just bumping up the size of your crop. So I would still actually invest in a tomato fertilizer, but I'm less fussed about it being liquid. You could use a pelletized or a granulated one that's going to break down across the season and keep giving, keep fertilizing that plant. It's not going to be as dire as the situation for the person who doesn't have any flowers. Can you over correct and put too much potassium into the soil? Yes, you could theoretically, but it's unlikely. What actually often Mm -hmm. happens with tomatoes is people put too much nitrogen into the soil. And what this does, because a lot of animal manures that we'll use in our compost are high in nitrogen, a lot of uh, liquid fertilizers are really high in nitrogen. So what happens then is you get this massive tomato plant because nitrogen encourages leaf growth. We get this huge tomato plant that has no fruit on it whatsoever. And what that says is we've got too much nitrogen and not enough potassium. I don't think many people have got to the point of having too much potassium and not enough nitrogen. What that would be is you'd have all these big tomatoes and you'd have no leaves on the plant. And then <laughs> <laughs> the plant seems unlikely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, look, don't be liquid fertilizing it every day. That's going to be problematic. Mm. So we're clear on fertilising because I think that's important with the tomatoes is to get that right. Yep. When the plant is approximately a metre, if we're not seeing an abundance of yellow flowers and we've got to get the potassium on it and it needs to be a liquid fertiliser on the leaves, if we don't have liquid fertiliser and we're just watering it, water the soil. Fabulous. And when it's a baby, (laughs) what are we feeding it with? Just anything, any kind of fertiliser. It doesn't have to be high potassium. Just get the fertilizer on it. Brilliant. Okay. The last thing with tomatoes that people often talk about is pruning them. Some people prune the absolute crap out of their tomatoes and just have these thin stems with like two leaves and heaps of tomatoes on it. I have tried this for a few seasons 
And I have found that it's really time consuming. And overall, I haven't seen any great difference in the yield on my tomatoes. So my opinion is I don't bother anymore. I just let the tomato plant okay. do its thing. I have found as long as I keep that naked bottom situation going on, the uh, collar around the bottom of the plant, that's the only pruning I'm committed to. Other than that, I've found there's no problems. What's the theory behind why people do that? Well, it's a few reasons. One, you want to put the plant to be putting energy into only producing the arms of the plant that have fruit on them. So if the arms aren't producing oh, fruit, okay. you get them off. And secondly, you want to create airflow amongst the plant because tomatoes are really prone to fungal diseases, which is why I'm carrying on so much about this like soil leaf divide. Mm -hmm. The best way to get rid of a fungal issue is airflow. So by pruning the leaves, you're encouraging airflow amongst mm. the plants. So then your fruit and your leaves are way less likely to develop a fungal problem. But there are things we can do that are a lot easier to control the fungal problem, like not watering the leaves. You know, these kind of things will all manage a fungal problem without needing the effort and the skill of pruning it. Mm. The one caveat I will say here, which is probably not relevant to a single listener, but when I grow tomatoes in my greenhouse, there's a lot less airflow in that greenhouse and it's way more prone to fungal infections. So in a greenhouse, I absolutely have to prune them to encourage airflow or I will get problems. But I find in the garden, let the plant do its thing. So what does a tomato fungal look like? It'll be spots on the leaves, either black or white. So okay. I imagine it like you've got a piece of bread in the fridge and it starts to get moldy. It's not like you get mm. an even covering of mold on the whole bread at the start. You'll get spots coming up on the bread. You'll get similar looking spots in black or white on your tomato leaves. Mm-hmm. So watch out for those. If you see a few of them, the first thing you can do to manage it is to just cut those leaves straight off. Exactly like we discussed with the powdery mildew and the zucchinis. Just get on top of it, cut those leaves off and get them in the bin, not even the compost, not on the ground, like get them out of your garden completely. Mm -hmm. If it's getting to the point that your entire plant has been taken over by these the, the fungal infection, you're going to need to get some kind of pest control situation it's not a pest but some mm. disease control situation i'm sure there's some yeah. spray you use on your plants or something like that but if you get onto it early it will more often than not not go anywhere so to speak we can just stop it in its tracks okay so for anyone who is off to the nursery to buy seedling at this stage obviously it's too late now to be growing from seed what are your favorite varieties of tomato to grow that is a really good point. Yeah, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't started yet, I want you to get the seedling. So when it comes to tomato varieties, there's two broad types that tomatoes fall into. They're called determinant varieties and indeterminant varieties. Mm -hmm. What that is is fancy talk for a determinant variety will grow a crop of tomatoes and then it's done. It says on the third week of summer we're going to produce every tomato we're ever going to produce and then we're going to piss off is basically their <laughs> approach an indeterminate tomato will continue growing tomatoes continuously until the weather tells it it's done time mm -hmm. 
So while the weather is still warm, that tomato will keep growing. Now, I only grow indeterminate varieties, which are the ones that keep giving me tomatoes over and over again. That's what I like. I find the only time someone wants a determinant variety is if you're a keen passata maker and you are Mm -hmm. going to have a big Italian festival on the weekend and you're going to turn all your tomatoes into passata in one sitting. You want your plant to have produced all its tomatoes in one sitting. But for the most cases, people are going to want the indeterminate varieties. The reason I'm telling you this is it will say on the tomato plant. So... Mm -hmm. I don't want someone buying a determinant tomato and then getting all these tomatoes and then being disheartened because the whole thing stops producing after that, okay? We don't want that. So look for an indeterminate variety. Most tomatoes that home gardeners grow and that are available in nurseries are indeterminate. So you probably, without even knowing what that term was or understanding anything about it, were probably naturally growing an indeterminate. So my favourite varieties to grow are black Russians. Mm. These are all... The, all I'm going to list now are indeterminates. They are kind of like big, a bit bigger than a cherry, but they're not like a massive size. And they are red with like a purpley, like a purple sheen to the skin. I wouldn't say they're actually black. Mm. They're really easy and really delicious in salads. I really like yellow pear tomatoes. These are a cherry tomato and they are in like a mini pear shape and they're yellow. I find them really big producers, really delicious and a bit of fun because, you know, they look different to the rest of the tomatoes. Tigerellas, these are red tomatoes, but they've got like a green-yellow stripes on them, like like a tiger Mm -hmm. stripe, hence the name. They are really beautiful and incredibly flavoursome and delicious. I really like those. If you're looking for a classic tomato that's an all-rounder, really good flavor, easy to grow, the one that everyone turns to is called the Tommy Tote. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that one's really popular and really good. It is kind of in between a big tomato and a cherry tomato. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I do find growing smaller variety tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, are actually easier. So if you're a beginner, I would stick with some of these ones that I've mentioned that are smaller. Mm-hmm. If you want a the biggest crop going round of big fat tomatoes that you're going to turn into pasta sauce and that kind of thing, there's one called Mortgage Lifter, which is named because of its high yields. So the joke is you can uh, use it to pay off your mortgage. <laughs> there's one called Grouse Liz. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. That's another variety of a, a big tomato if that's what you're going for. And then, of course, if you don't want to get particularly creative with all these different colours and varieties, the classic Roma tomato is Mm. widely available and is best for pasta sauces. So tomatoes kind of often fit into kind of two categories, like your fresh-eating tomatoes and your, your sauce tomatoes. So I would also think about when choosing your variety, do I want to eat it fresh in a salad or will I be making batches of sauce out of it and that may slightly determine the varieties you pick i'm more of a salad person so i like the different colors and the ones that are best fresh eating Mm. but you know horses for courses but the point is and go nuts go nuts but you can hear from my list and i could actually keep going that there are just so many good varieties 
Yeah, and I think you mentioned this before that nurseries like well stock different varieties of tomatoes. It's not like strawberries where you just go and get the strawberry. Yeah, you're totally right. It's the only crop that I think nurseries stock a decent variety of. And every single tomato I've listed there, if you went to a nursery, a large nursery tomorrow, you could buy all of them as seedlings. These aren't niche varieties that you can only get as seeds. These are commonly available. Which we're kind of back at full circle about why tomatoes are crack for gardeners. Exactly right. So the big question, is the juice worth the squeeze? This is where we look at the effort-reward ratio of today's topic. The categories are superstar, high effort, high reward. Completing this will make you feel like an absolute rock star. Best on ground, low effort, high reward. Quick wins and fill-ins, low effort, low reward. And finally, the wooden spoon, high effort, but not much reward. So Tess, we've got our tomato plants planted. We're thinking about the maintenance between the planting and the harvesting. Tell me, is the juice worth the squeeze? So my two favourite parts of the plant cycle are planting it and harvesting. So maintenance, dare I say, is not my favourite garden activity. So for me, in this maintenance stage, the reward is not immediate the reward will be will come at harvesting time so i'm going to say for maintenance of your tomatoes it's superstar status yeah i agree and i'm totally with you my favorite plant my favorite part of the gardening is planting and harvesting and the in-between bit is a bit of a pain frankly but it's also you know very rewarding as you see what you're doing paying off but i agree especially with tomatoes it is actually a bit of effort in the maintenance phase to get to the big harvest. There are other crops where you literally can plant them and other than watering them, do nothing until harvest. Tomatoes aren't one of them, but like I said at the start, given the amount you will get off one tomato plant that you've looked after well, mm. it is absolutely high reward. And I will say this, if time is of a premium to you and all this maintenance sounds hard, you would be better off as a gardener to grow two tomato plants instead of six and look after those two tomato plants better. Mm. And I think you're a great case study for this test because you had six plants in last year and I think you got about four tomatoes in total. <laughs> it was like 11. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, guys, it's 11. Um, so, you know, if, if Tess had had one plant in and had done everything perfectly and had you know done the maintenance perfectly you could have had 11 kilos of tomatoes off that plant mm. and I think it's worthwhile just saying for those people who haven't listened back to those episodes where I talk about everything I did wrong with my tomatoes it wasn't just the maintenance stage that I failed I failed from the get-go I was absolutely off on the wrong foot I had them too close together I probably didn't enrich my soil nutrients like there was probably no hope for them I couldn't have saved them in the maintenance phase you're totally right. You were stuffed from the outset. You, I think the biggest thing, <laughs> <laughs> you planted them too late. So Tess planted those tomatoes more than halfway through summer. So if you're looking to plant something and it's the middle of summer, pick something other than a tomato. But back on your point about have just two plants and look after them really well, I think that is it's actually a solid gold. Because if you have six plants, they're really close together, then they're never going to work. 
pull a couple of them out even and just focus on making two go really well. Yeah, bang on. And you'll often see, especially if you've planted things too close together, you'll see that some plants are doing better than others. Like the superstars are going to stand out and they're the ones you leave in and be ruthless, get the others out and give those plants the care they need. Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess, artwork by Lauren Janine. You can find us on Instagram at Rooting for You Pod or email rootingforyou at elisealexandra.com. And remember, we are rooting for you.